Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Isaiah 8.13 says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Sanctify the Lord of hosts, Hallow his name. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. May this be our desire, Lord. As David prayed one day, we pray again today, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. Teach us your fear, Lord. And unite our hearts to fear you. All the days of our life, that we might sanctify you, Lord. That we might fear you, Lord. And walk pleasing unto you. Jesus' blessed name. And God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. My precious daughter Jessica has been teaching on the fear of the Lord, and I thank you, Mark. And I want to just minister the same word because I really feel very strong that the Lord is doing something here with this. So let's go to Isaiah 8 one more time. I'm going to read verse 13 together. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, the scripture says. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Now, we have to distinguish what fear is the Bible talking about here. Well, there are three kinds of fear in our experience. Number one, there's natural fear. Now, natural fear is when we react to danger. Natural fear is like when you're on the highway and someone does something on the road that just gets your attention and you have to slow down in case you get into an accident or, or something else happens. So there is that natural fear, which is a reaction to danger. And that's natural. But there's a second fear. The second fear is that sinful fear. Sinful fear is where you uh, no longer trust the Lord. Uh, Sinful fear is what compels people to disobey the fear of God, disobey his will, frankly, not trusting him. So that's sinful fear. Uh, When you fear other things, when you fear sickness, when you fear troubles, when you fear people, when you fear 
something that's happening somewhere. Well, that's not a godly fear. It's not a, a natural fear either. It's a sinful fear where we're not trusting the Lord anymore. But then there is that fear of God. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because the fear of the Lord has nothing to do with natural fear, where you react to a problem. It has nothing to do with sinful fear either, where you're afraid of something or someone. The fear of the Lord is mentioned, <clears throat> let's go to Philippians. And this fear we all need. We all need it. And so the word of God says in this wonderful verse, wherefore my beloved, this is Philippians 2.12, wherefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear. What fear? Godly fear. Fear and trembling. It's that awe. It's that reverence of the Lord where we revere the Lord. We stand in awe of the Lord. <clears throat> and this is one fear people don't really understand because the, the fear of the Lord is more than reverence. It's more than respect. Because it really has to do with understanding God's character. So you, don't, you do not have the fear of the Lord if you do not know him. Or understand who he is. Understand his character. Um... And some people, some people have a wrong view of God because they see him as uh, unmerciful or unjust. And that's where they become afraid of him because they see him as one who has no mercy. He's not just, so they're afraid of him that he might punish them in one, in some way or another. I want to I want to show you a beautiful, a beautiful Psalm uh, eighty six Psalm eighty six, beginning at verse ten. David prayed a wonderful prayer that I pray will become our prayer, and would like to put that on the screen for the people, please. And that's Psalm eighty six, verse ten, eleven, and twelve. For thou art great and doest wondrous things; thou art God alone. You see how he. He comes to God by saying, Lord, you're great. In other words, I'm awed by you. Lord, you're great. And you do wondrous things. And you are God alone. There's no other God but you. You stand in awe. So immediately, he's speaking of God's greatness. He's amazed by the wonder of the Lord. He says, you're, only, you're the only God. And then in verse 11, he says something beautiful. Teach me your way, Lord. Teach me your way. 
I will walk in your truth. And watch this. Unite my heart to fear your name. Give me a heart that will fear your name, Lord. But he presents him as, you're great. You do wondrous things. You're God alone. Now, Lord, teach me your way. I want to know your nature, Lord. I will walk in your truth, Lord. But I cannot do that without you uniting my heart to fear your name. And then verse 12 says something else. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. Why? Because I fear you now. You can't praise the Lord with all your heart if you don't fear him. And I will glorify your name forever. So anyone who fears God will praise him with all their heart. Anyone who fears the Lord will glorify his name, not just in this life, but eternally. That's powerful, huh? We used to sing this song years ago when I was young, and I'd love to teach it to you someday, you on the worship team, you know. Somebody put music to this beautiful, these three verses, just awesome. All right, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> when, when, when people have a wrong view of God, they see him as unjust and unmerciful, Let's, let's go to Luke chapter 19. I will show you the example here of this individual who came to the Lord and he, 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 he had the wrong view of him. Because, and this is sadly today, uh, it's a reality in, in, in people's lives and even preachers. Remember that's the story of the talents? And the man who hid his talent came and said, I feared thee, verse 21, Luke 19, for I feared thee because you are an austere man. See, he didn't see his mercy there, did he? He saw, he saw the Lord as very harsh, mean, and hard to work with and hard to serve. I feared you because you're an austere man. You're a... You're a severe man. That's what the word austere means. Because thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest that thou did not sow. So he's saying, Lord, I don't trust you. So that's why he hid his talent in the earth. Anyone who does not trust the Lord will be afraid of the Lord. Because they don't trust his goodness. They don't trust his love. They don't trust his mercy. They have a wrong view of him. As someone who's harsh and severe and hard to deal with. No compassion, no love, no mercy in his heart for people. And they cannot trust him. They won't trust him because they're afraid of him. But those who fear him... Always trust him. Big difference between being afraid and not trusting him because of that. Oh, he's not, he's not a good God. He's a very harsh 
God, he punishes people and sends them to hell for nothing. That's that's not our God. The Lord is long-suffering, merciful and gracious. I wish there was a way for me to explain the word to you in Hebrew. Rahom vehanun, gracious and merciful. I don't think there's an English word that can translate that. Rahum, Rahum. The, the word Rahum in, in Hebrew is like a, in Arabic it's the same, it's Rahum, Rahme. It's like a, anybody here speaks Arabic? Huh? Is there somebody who speaks Arabic here? Stand up. <laughs> are, you, are you good in the language? Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come, come, come. Where are you from? Egypt, wow. Are you a student or just a visitor? You're a st- oh, I remember you. You're the student, come here, come here. So, okay, fine. My Arabic is not too good, but it, I, I manage, I manage. So, rahme, you know what that word means, rahme? Uh, try to explain that. I mean, it's a deeper word than gracious or mercy. It's like... It's got such depth with it. How would you put it? Like sparing, maybe? Like, I don't know. Like, just merciful. Like. But it's beyond merciful. Yeah. Because when you think of mercy in English, you think of uh, sympathy. Or you think of someone who's nice to you. No, no. Mercy, sadly, doesn't really give the, the real meaning of Rahum vehanun, like hanun. Hanun is another word, very yes. close to Hebrew Arabic. Who hanun? You, you know what what I just said? Like he's gentle. It's no, it's way more than gentle. Your your Arabic needs help, girl. Your Arabic needs help. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay though. How old are you? Eighteen. Ah, that's why. You're young. You're young. What, what, what's your name again? Sandy. Hmm? Sandy. Sandy, okay. Well, Sandy, you're doing a good job so far. You can go back to seats, darling. Anyways. She did good, she did good. Uh, my mom, I think I can, I can maybe explain this to you. When, when we were sick, when we were kids, my mom would say with tears, I want your sickness. I would rather be sick than you because we were her children, you know. So mommies have said that to their children. I would rather have the disease. That's the closest meaning of merciful. It's more than just, oh, I wish, no. It's I want your, I want your pain. Rather than you, give me your pain. That's what mercy means. And, And the word for uh, Hanun, Hanun is like, um, oh, it's deep, it's very deep. It's like unending kindness that has no end to it. You know, like long suffering. Um, in Arabic, in Arabic, now the Sandy would also maybe remember when maybe her parents would say something like, uh, God's spirit is long. Roho. 
which means his spirit is long. And, and my mom said that one day. I said, Mom, what do you mean his spirit is long? Well, she said, that's what the Arabic says. His spirit is long. Now, we say long-suffering, long-suffering. But the original, some translations say his spirit is long, long-suffering. But his spirit, I said, Mom, explain that. She said, it means that his mercy will reach you in the deepest pit. It has no end to it. It's long. His hand is long. And so Corrie ten Boom used, used to say there's no pit that is so deep. But Jesus is deeper still. He's deeper than the pit. Isn't that powerful? Why don't you lift your hands and thank him that he's like that. That he's that merciful to us. So <clears throat> when people don't see that and they see the well, he's a harsh Lord, like this man said. You're an austere man. You're a severe man. And so I'm afraid. I fear thee, he said, for I feared thee. That's why I hid my talent. I don't want to serve you. As I f No. When people are afraid of God, they will not serve him. Only those who fear him will serve him. So, when, when someone says... Like this man, I feared you because you're an austere and severe man. You take up what you don't lay down and you reap where you didn't sow. That kind of fear is self-centered. But the fear of God is God-centered. You see the difference? This kind of fear in verse 21 is self-centered. I feared you because you're such a harsh man. You're such a harsh God. It's centered in self, not in the Lord. But the fear of God is centered in the Lord himself. Because you see who he is. And I think the, the, the fear of the Lord is the greatest power that motivates in the Christian life. It, 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 it moves us. It changes us. So when, when the fear of the Lord is in your life, you have the um, right revelation. You, have, you see God properly. Um, all right. I want to I show you something. Let, let's go to James chapter 2. James. <clears throat> you know, I love teaching here because you're all very attentive. I love it. Okay. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled. I'm reading verse 23 of James 2. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God. Wow. You cannot have that faith, kind of faith in God without knowing who he is and knowing his character. Because that's believing in God's character. It's not believing that he's good. It's more than that. It's believing in his goodness. Believing in him. Do you, do you remember, I've, I've said this to you more than once. I'm sure you remember it. There's a lot, of, a lot of people that believe that Jesus came and that Jesus died and that Jesus 
shed his blood and that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's coming again. So does the devil. So when they believe that, 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 that means nothing to God. But when they believe in the Lord, now they trust him. Now they surrender to the Lord. So when somebody says, well, I believe that Jesus came, so does the devil. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, so does the devil. I believe that Jesus shed his blood, no different than the devil, he believes that too. I believe that he rose from the dead, so does the devil. I believe that Jesus ascended on high, so does the devil. I believe that Jesus is coming back, so does the devil. But the devil does not trust God. So to believe in the Lord means give him your soul to keep. You trust him with your soul to keep. You see the difference, right? Okay. So Abraham believed in God. He believed in his character. And that means he feared him. He knew him. He stood in awe of him. He stood in awe of him. I grew up with parents that I was awed by. A lot of children today do not fear their parents. They may be afraid of them, but they don't fear them. To fear your mom or your dad, you stand in awe. So we grew up where we saw daddy like a king. So we would walk in every single day of my life. I kissed his hand when I came home. From, from the day I was a little boy. We would walk in and my dad would be sitting or laying down, whatever. We would all take his hand and kiss it and walk away. Out of honor. Well, you can't honor someone you don't fear. Not afraid of them. You fear them. How many see the difference? Put your hands up high. You stand in awe. You, you revere. You revere them. Same with my mom. I revered my mom. And when you have an awe, when you stand in awe and revere them, you will always believe everything they say. You, you never question it. So it's not about believing what they say. It's believing their character. A lot of people will say something, but they don't do it. It's their character. Abraham believed God's character. When God says, I will give you a son, he took him out and said, count the stars. Abraham was not having a good day that day because he looked at Eliezer, when he was then called Abram. He, was, he looked at Eliezer. This is all in Genesis 15. He looked and said, I don't have a boy. I just have this man here that has been my servant all these years. I brought him from Damascus, you know, from Syria and all that. And he looks, says, Lord, what will you give me? Seeing I have no child. All I have is this, this man here who's, who's going to be my inheritor, my heir. And God says, no. This is not your, your heir. I'm going to give you a boy. But God had to change his vision. He said, come on, come, count the stars. He, he had to change the way he saw things. He said, come on, let's 
Count them if you can. And then he said, so shall thy seed be. And it says he believed God. He believed in his character. And God said, now you are righteous. He declared him righteous right there and then. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And it says, it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. How many of you want to be called the friend of God? Of course you do. Fear him. Stand in awe of him. There's no lack to them who fear him. It says in the Psalms, no lack to those who fear the Lord. So see the difference. This is not a natural fear that reacts to danger. This is not a sinful fear that doesn't believe him, doesn't trust him. This is standing in awe of him. You're so awed by his love, so amazed by his power. Remember, it says in the Psalms 86 and verse 10, Thou art great. Lord, you're so great. You do wondrous things. You're God alone. Now, unite my heart to fear your name. I want to know more about you. Another one that, that had that fear in him, besides Abraham, was Moses. You, and, and you see it just by reading about their life. They really feared God. And how we need that more today. So it says uh, in verse 10, and there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Because God doesn't trust those that don't fear him. I just said something powerful there, you missed it. When you fear him, you trust him, and he'll trust you. But when you're afraid of him, you cannot trust him, and he will not trust you. Because you see him in the wrong way, you see? Harsh, austere, that man said to him. And, and you and I will never know God closely and intimately till we see his wonder, till we see his awe. Because then he'll accept us. It says so in Hebrews 12. When you fear him, he'll accept you. When you, when you don't fear him, he'll reject you. Did you hear that? Look what it says. Wow. This is Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God, watch this, acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. Meaning, it means when I revere him, I will be accepted. Because it says acceptably. I'm going to read that again. Watch how it's, it connects, being accepted with godly fear. Wherefore, Hebrews 12, 28, wherefore we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God, what? Acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Meaning when we fear him, he accepts us. That's what it says. For our God is a consuming fire. You know, a lot of people 
are afraid of the Lord because they don't trust him. But you'll always trust him if you fear him. If you stand in awe of him. You know, you sing the song, I stand, I stand in awe of you. And some people, I don't even think know what they're saying. Because they don't trust him. How can you stand in awe and not trust him? Jesus, what a wonder you are. But they don't trust him. See, it's all about the fear of the Lord. I grew up as a young Christian hearing those messages at the catacombs by some of the greatest people that lived back then. They taught on the fear of the Lord and they knew it. They lived it. All right, so when you have the fear of the Lord, you'll, you'll have the right view of him, the right, you'll, you'll see his character. Secondly, the fear of the Lord will cause you to hate sin. If you really fear him, you will not love your sin. Because it says so in Proverbs 8. Let's go to it. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. It says what? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, or meaning hate sin. When you stand in awe of him, you will not sin against him. This is the thing David wanted most. Lord, teach me to fear you. And this is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life and my life if we ask him for it. Remember the Psalmist said, unite my heart to fear your name. Lift your hands and ask him that. Say, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. I want to know your fear. I want to stand in awe of you. I want to revere you. You are an awesome God. A mighty God, a great God, the only God. Hallelujah. Now you make that your prayer, God will answer it. Today, sadly, the fear of God is not known in many churches, I think, too, in people's lives. They they change the Bible to fit what, what, what they want. That's not the fear of God. They dismiss part of the Bible because they just don't like them. That's not the fear of God. They attack other people so quickly and easily. That's not the fear of God. They speak against the anointed of God. It's not the fear of God. I can say more. I don't need to. But when you have the fear of the Lord, you will hate sin. It says so. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Not only that, it's to hate also pride. Because it says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. It's also to hate the evil way. It's all there in that verse. And not just that, 
it's also to hate a perverse mouth. And here the old English word forward means filthy. Filthy mouth. Do I hate? Because he says so. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate pride, to hate, to, to hate people or, you know, that arrogant spirit, the evil way, and a filthy mouth. Do I hate? I don't know about you, but I can't handle people that cuss. I just can't stand listening to them. I just can't. I think it's terrible and, and they insult the Lord. Some of them think it's okay to say some such foul, filthy words. No, I, I just... I, I rebuked somebody recently that I knew. I said, you can't speak like this around me or I'm walking out. Well, he said, well, they all... I said, you say it one more time, I'm, I'm gone. I'm not going to let my ears listen to such filth. And put them, I shut them right down. And they call themselves born-again believers. Who say it's okay to talk like that. I said, well, I don't believe it for one minute. Because it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. By the words you know them. You know, you know people's hearts by the things they say. Because it says, be filled with the Spirit speaking. The infilling of the Spirit is known when people start talking. Not with the, no, talking. Not by the, then they speak in tongues, not even tongues. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of excellence and perfection not come on stop it I'm sorry I'm too old to change I'm just too old to change I've seen the good I've seen the bad I've seen the real I've seen the phony and a lot of the stuff today is just not real it's just not real they shake and they tremble and they sweat and they're living for the devil because you, by their fruit you'll know them not by their gifts by what they say how they live by their fruit by their fruit and it's coming out right, out right out of their mouth so be careful so alright let's keep going and in Proverbs 16, verse 6, it says something very important, too, about the fear of the Lord. Are you people listening? Yes. Good. It says, by mercy, verse 6, Proverbs 16, 6, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, man depart from evil. So, when people fear the Lord, they will, they will avoid sin when they see it. They'll walk away from it. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. How many of you want to have a powerful prayer life? Can I put, yeah, okay, good. 
The fear of the Lord gives it. You can't pray without fear in the Lord. Impossible. If you don't stand in awe of him, you'll never talk to him. Say it again. Say what I just said. If you, cannot, if you don't stand in awe of him, you'll not talk to him. You won't. You'll ignore him. Yeah, wow, well, I was right. You only talk to those, really talk, purely talk to those you revere. Well, you don't want to talk. Why talk to somebody you don't even revere? I don't revere the devil, do you? I don't talk to him either. I don't revere God's enemies. I don't talk to them. But I revere those who serve the Lord. I honor them. So, but to revere God, is whole, it's a different matter here. We stand in awe of God. We, don't, we, we do not stand in awe of men. Sometimes we go too far with that. We only stand in awe of the Lord. Because he is God alone. That's what we just read. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. For thou art alone. God alone. So, it's good to revere individuals in ministry. But don't you dare go too far with it. We stand in, in awe of the Lord. Only the Lord. I don't like it when people call me a reverend. Don't call me a reverend. Don't call me a reverend. Enough of this. They give you titles that you don't even want. There's only one you revere in awe. That's the Lord. But they want to honor you with a title. Whatever. You get a little tired of it anyways. All right. So a prayer life. I think a prayer life will be very powerful. When people have the fear of, of the Lord. You know, you see something about the prophet Daniel and more than him, of course, in, in, the, in the scriptures. But look at chapter 9. Look at verse 4. Look at what he says to the Lord before he even prays. He said in verse 4, And I prayed unto the Lord my God. So he starts his prayer with awe. He stands in awe of God. He says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession and said what? O Lord, the great and dreadful, or awesome is the Hebrew word, the great and awesome God. He starts his prayer by telling God how awesome he is. You are the great and awesome God. This is verse 4, Daniel 9. Keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And then he prays his prayer after that. He says, we have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. We've rebelled against you. We didn't listen to you. And then in verse 9, in verse 9, to our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. But we've rebelled against him. We didn't hear his voice. All Israel has transgressed your law. And it's a beautiful prayer that goes on in this amazing chapter. And then he says, you see how, and God answered him very quickly because he prayed with fear. 
He said, we don't present our supplications, verse 18. Oh my God, incline your ear, means bend it. Hear, open your eyes, behold our desolations in the city which is called by your name. Because we do not present our supplications before you for our righteousness, but for your great mercies. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear. Lord, don't delay. We need you now. And he says, and while I was speaking and praying. Look what that kind of prayer does in verse 20. While I was speaking, are you people listening? He starts by saying, Lord, you're mighty, you're great, you're awesome. Then he makes his request. And he continues to repeat it about how great God is. And it says, while I was speaking in prayer, verse 21, Gabriel, the angel, appeared. Wow. And talked to me. You see what kind of amazing experiences people have that stand in awe of God? I, I, think, I think each one of us needs to experience I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you were awed by God's creation. It's like an amazing experience that God gave me one time on Mount Sinai. I climbed Mount Sinai. You young people need to climb Mount Sinai. You got the strength. <laughs> 9,000 feet, you climb up there. I have never experienced awe like I did that night in my life. And I've always been, you know, I've always loved the Lord and, and stood in awe of him. But, you know, as you, as you get older, you see more and more of his power and greatness. And sometimes it's all around you and you miss it. It's all, it's all around you, but you miss it. You stand in awe. So I'm climbing the mountain and suddenly, to my amazement, we, we saw the Milky Way with no, nothing, just there, it's there, with your own eyes. And we all began singing with tears flowing down our face. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. It only happened one time in my life because I've been to the Sinai twice, climbed that mountain twice, not just once. But that first time, we were just crying out in song because it was like to see his, his, his handiwork. We just stood in awe. And I think every one of you needs to have something like that happen to you. His wonders, you know. The man who wrote How Great Thou Art had that experience. You listen to the words, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. Wow. He was, he was in awe of God, he wrote, then sings my soul. And we all sing it, but we're not paying attention. And then there's the second verse that they never sing. And through the woods. And he talks about how he's walking through the woods in awe. And hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees. Wow. And nobody knows that even exists in the hymn. Look it up. Nobody ever sings the second verse of Aguilera in the water. 
But the thing is, he had an experience with God to write that song. Then sings my soul. Lift your hands. Father, give them that experience in Jesus' name. Let them, Lord, see your wonder one day. Let them see your wonder in any way you choose, Lord, that they will stand in awe of you. They'll truly see your awesome power and mighty wonder in Jesus' name. And God's people said, I pray the Lord one day will help you go to Israel. If you want to go to Israel, lift your hands and ask him to help you go to Israel. I think going to Israel, I'm not promoting here my country, but, well, I guess I am in some way, but anyways, I'm not doing it for any reason but one. God is all around there. He's all around. You have no idea what it's like to stand on the Sea of Galilee at night by yourself. I've had people come with me to the Holy Land that moment changed their life forever. We just let them go by themselves at night. We stay right there in the hotels on the Sea of Galilee. And people walk out alone and talk to the Lord. I've seen people with tears. And you walk by them, you don't want to even disturb them. They're just having a time with God right where he walked. And you feel it. My experience the first time at the garden tomb. And I had lived there, grew up there, born there. I'd never been to the garden tomb because I was not saved when I lived there. First trip in the mid-70s. I'm standing in Jerusalem. I'm in the garden tomb. I turn around and I see the sign. He's not here. He's risen. It struck me like a light bulb. I mean like a <laughs> lightning, I meant. It was like a lightning moment in my life. And I, was, I stood in awe. He's alive. Even though I knew it, it was like God just slapped me with it. <laughs> Anybody ever had that kind of thing happen to you? Just the reality of that moment was just powerful. Even though you know he's alive, you, you just, it just, you're surrounded by it now. And the land of Israel is the land of miracles. But to me, there's no place like the, the Praetorium. None. You see with your own eyes where the soldiers played that game for his robe. It is holy where he was whipped by the soldiers. I will never forget standing there with Gene Bailey, who has a big program now uh, on TV. He was, he was one of my cameramen back then. And I'm talking, and you could feel the Lord there. As I began to talk about where we were standing, the tears were falling down his cheeks while he was holding the camera there, man. It was a moment of awe. Lord, let them see that in Jesus' name. Say, Lord God, come on. Lift your hands, so Lord, one day soon, give me the money to go to the Holy Land. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll go. Maybe somebody will pay your way, I don't know. 
All right, let's keep going. But the awesome power of God to stand in awe of the Lord. And here's Daniel praying and seeing his awe. But you know who else saw the awe of God? His own son. Jesus saw that awe and stood in, in that awe. In John, let's look at John 17. I'm going to show it to you. You know, I know people sometimes wonder and question things. I, I, I was looking at something a few days ago which kind of disturbed me a little bit where they said, well, how can Jesus be God if he prayed to God? What Bible do these people read? I don't know. <laughs> they don't understand he was as much man as though he was not God and as much God as though he was not man when he walked the earth. This is his humanity. Okay? Now, he's praying here to his father. And this is in verse 1. These words speak Jesus. Verse 17, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. But watch verse 11. In verse 11, he says what? And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to the Holy Father. Holy Father. He called him Holy Father. And then he also called him Righteous Father in verse 25. Righteous Father. Holy Father. And then Righteous Father in verse 24. Oh, Righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. You cannot call God holy and righteous without knowing his fear. Listen here. Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord himself. Because it says in this amazing verse, Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Anyone learning anything here? Though he were, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. But it says he feared. So Jesus prevailed because he knew God's holy character. Because it says so. What an amazing verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard because he feared. That's in Gethsemane. So think about it. even the Son of God prevailed on the cross because he knew God's holy character and revered him. And we will also prevail in prayer. Not just Daniel. Even the Lord prevailed in prayer because of holy fear because he called his Father holy and righteous. Almost done. When you and I have the fear of, of, of the Lord, I believe we become very effective ministers. You cannot minister effectively without knowing that fear of the Lord. 
I was going to teach something altogether different tonight, but then I talked to my Jesse, and she said, well, Dad, I've been talking about it. I said, you know what? I've been feeling that too. Let's look at Deuteronomy and notice, all of you, the connection between the fear of the Lord and serving the Lord. You cannot serve the Lord if you don't fear the Lord. And anyone who doesn't fear the Lord and calls himself a pastor, he's not really accepted by God, nor is his service accepted. Can I say it again? God will not accept their service if they don't fear him. Because serving the Lord is the outcome of fearing the Lord. It says so in scripture. Deuteronomy 6, 13, it says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. You can't serve him without fearing him. Because it says fear him and then you serve him. Or Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. Look, I'm letting the Bible talk here rather than me. I'm giving you scriptures. And now Israel, verse 12, Deuteronomy 10. What doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul. But what does he require of you? The first thing it says, fear the Lord. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? Number one, fear him. When you fear him, you can walk in all his ways. When you fear him, you can love him. When you fear him, you serve him. And in Joshua chapter 24, Oh, Lord, I give you praise. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Now, therefore, Joshua 24, 14 says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Here we go again. You cannot serve him without fearing him. In sincerity and truth, Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. You know, I am so disgusted with people who cannot see clearly that worshiping idols is not allowed. And some still do it and don't care. Some are into the demonic and don't care. They want it. They're into witchcraft and don't care. And I mean Christians who believe in luck. Luck? What? There's no such thing. Or they believe in, they're, they're too superstitious. Have you seen Christians who are superstitious? Because they don't fear the Lord. So they have to have something to protect them from some whatever. That's idolatry. Are you listening? Yes. Idol worship isn't just some god, some statue. Idol worship is when people have things that they feel will protect them. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. People, please listen to me. Okay. 
Why did Noah build the ark? He was moved with the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord will perfect holiness, it says. We perfect holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. It says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. How? In the fear of the Lord. When you stand in awe of him and you fear him, you will live holy. Now to make holiness, to live uh, in perfect holiness doesn't mean to reach sinless perfection. What Paul meant is, Growing up as mature believers. That's what, what it really means. So the fear of the Lord creates in you a longing to become like the Lord. Now here's something I want you all to hear. Can we go one more time to Isaiah 8 as I, as I come to the end of this message? And I want to read this time verse 12 and 13. Can you play just real gentle behind me, Mark? Just real gentle. Strings, please, if possible. Say ye not a conspiracy, or the word here is confederacy, to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Listen, neither fear their fear or be afraid. Instead, sanctify the Lord and let him be your fear. Meaning, my darling Jessica, when we fear the Lord, we are delivered from all other fears. When you fear him, you'll not fear, you'll not be afraid of anyone else. Can, can I say it again? If you fear him, you'll fear none. If you fear him, you cannot be afraid of anyone or anything else. Because it says here, neither fear their fear, nor be afraid in verse 12. Sanctify the Lord and let him be your fear. So do not be afraid of fear that they throw on you or be afraid of them. Let the Lord be your fear. So when you fear the Lord, you'll never fear men. When you fear the Lord, you will not fear sickness, you'll not fear poverty, you'll not fear violence, you'll not even fear death, because if, listen here, if the fear of the Lord does not take over your life, the fear of sickness will. The fear of poverty will. The fear of violence will. The fear of death will. But if the fear of God is in your life, no other fear will take over your life. Shall I say it again? All right. If the fear of the Lord does not take over your life, then the fear of sickness will take over your life. And the fear of poverty will take over your life. And the fear of violence will take over your life. 
and the fear of death will take over your life. So when the fear of God takes over, then you'll be free from the fear of sickness and violence and poverty and death. So when someone says, I'm afraid to die, it's because they don't fear the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord cancels all other fears. Did you hear that? Say the fear of the Lord will cancel the fear of sickness, poverty, violence, and death. When I fear the Lord, I will fear none. One more time. When I fear the Lord, I will fear no one. Say it again. When I fear the Lord, I will fear no one. Lift your hands and say it. When I fear the Lord, I will fear no one. And now say, when I fear the Lord, I will fear nothing. I will fear no sickness. I will fear no poverty. I will fear no violence. And I'll fear no death. The fear of the Lord will cancel all fear of men, disease, poverty, violence, and death. Now, Father, say it now, Father, unite my heart to fear your name. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.